0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever noticed how just talking about something can make it less overwhelming? That's what therapy is for, because when we keep everything bottled up inside, it's much harder to work through it. Connect with a licensed therapist at betterhelp.com super. What if Neville Longbottom was the chosen one instead of Harry Potter. Hey, brother. Possibly the most pivotal moment in the entire history of the Wizarding World happened on October 31st, 1981, when Voldemort attacked the Potters and tried to kill baby Harry. And this moment is massive for two big reasons. First of all, it's the night that Voldemort first lost his powers, but it's also because of the prophecy of the Chosen One, which stated, The one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord approaches, born to those who have thrice defied him, born as the seventh month dies, and the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal, but he will have power the Dark Lord knows not. And either must die at the hand of the other, for neither can live while the other survives. The one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord will be born as the seventh month dies." And thus, in attacking baby Harry, Voldemort, unbeknownst to himself, marked Harry as his equal. And as Dumbledore says, "'Handpicked the man most likely to finish him, handing him unique deadly weapons.'" But as we all know, it didn't have to be Harry who became the chosen one. There was another option. Neville Longbottom. His parents were also members of the Order of the Phoenix, had defied Voldemort three times, and Neville was born at the end of July. And yet, for his own reasons, Voldemort chose Harry instead of Neville. what if he'd chosen differently? Harry himself wonders this very thing in the Half-Blood Prince. Had Voldemort chosen Neville, it would be Neville sitting opposite Harry, bearing the lightning-shaped scar and the weight of the prophecy. Or would it? Would Neville's mother have died to save him as Lily had died for Harry? Surely she would. But. What if she'd been unable to stand between her son and Voldemort? Would there have been no chosen one at all? An empty seat where Neville now sat and a scarless Harry who would have been kissed goodbye by his own mother, not Ron's? All wonderful questions, Harry. You would have a bright future as a theory writer. Would Alice or Frank Longbottom have interceded? Would that matter? Would there be a chosen one at all? Would Harry still have been attacked anyway? Or would James and Lily have been tortured like Neville's parents usually are? Or even worse, would Voldemort have just won the war that night? Believe you me, guys, this is a big one, and obviously changing the main character changes the story a lot. But today, we begin to answer, what if Neville was the Chosen? I'll fight you. But I am the Chosen One. Okay, so what would it mean for Voldemort to choose Neville instead of Harry? Well, first we need to consider why Voldemort chose Harry in the first place. It wasn't just because he despised the Potters more than the Longbottoms or because he had more access to Harry or just didn't know that Neville existed. As ever with Voldemort, it is much more vain. Between the two babies, one was a half-blood, Harry, and one was a pureblood. Neville. And according to Voldemort's own pure blood mantra, you'd think Neville would have been the obvious choice. If pure-bloods are truly superior to other magical beings, then Neville is obviously the greater threat. Right? But Voldemort doesn't actually believe any of that. That's just his rally call. Instead, he believes that he is the most important and he, unbeknownst to his followers, is a half-blood and therefore he chooses Harry and recognizes him as the real threat. But what if he did choose differently? What if he actually believed what he says, that pure bloods are superior to half-bloods and chose Neville instead well we know that dumbledore knows that both harry and neville are candidates for the prophecy because he tells harry Sybil's prophecy could have applied to two wizard boys one of course was you the other was Neville Longbottom. And of course we know how Dumbledore is planning to hide the Potters from being the target of the prophecy, which in case you're wondering, he's already got that in motion before Snape reveals to Dumbledore that Voldemort intends to kill Lily Evans' son. So the scene where Snape arrives to plead with Dumbledore to protect Lily and James and Harry, Dumbledore already has. Basically, he uses the situation to manipulate Snape into switching sides to promise to do something he's already done. Because don't forget, of all people, Dumbledore already knew the prophecy and already knows that Harry and Neville are the candidates for it and is already hiding them. And specifically, we know he's hiding the Potters with the Fidelius charm. So I think it stands to reason that he's trying to hide the Longbottoms in the exact same way. We also know that Dumbledore offers to be the Potter's secret keeper, but they ultimately decline, in favor of Sirius, who then later convinces them to go with Peter, who then gets them all killed. But I'm thinking the Longbottoms just took Dumbledore up on his offer, so, He's their secret keeper. Meaning the Longbottom secret is significantly more secure than the Potter's because there is no chance at all that Dumbledore is giving them up. But so, what would that mean for the Potter's? Because in a world where Voldemort has determined ahead of time that Neville is in fact the bigger threat, does that mean that they're safe, that they wouldn't be targeted at all? Well, I think they're maybe a little less likely to be murdered, but I don't think any less likely to be attacked. After all, They still would have made Peter their secret keeper, and even before the prophecy was in play, they would have evaded Voldemort three times, which, if you do some math, means that they had already been under attack three times. Plus, Voldemort knowing that both boys are candidates and knowing that both families are members of the Order of the Phoenix, I'm thinking he would take any opportunity available to him at all to try and torture information out of the Potters as to the whereabouts, of the Longbottoms. Thus, and unfortunately, Peter's secret keeper information is still of extreme value to Voldemort. And I think he still tells them where they are, but I don't think it is Voldemort himself who personally attends to them, which I know sounds dumb. Like if he thinks there are two candidates who could fulfill the prophecy that why wouldn't he just tie off loose ends and go ahead and kill Harry to begin with? But remember, Voldemort is the kind of absolutely stupid, arrogant, that just thinks he knows better. If he, Voldemort, believes that Neville is the subject of the prophecy, then zero part of him is concerned that Harry is any threat at all. And so it would be Death Eaters who would attend to the Potters instead to try and torture information out of them. Which is bad news for the Potters for a couple of reasons, because one, they don't know where the long bottoms are, so they couldn't tell him if they wanted, which they wouldn't anyway, because the Potters are awesome. But two, according to the rules of the Fidelius charm, the secret has to be given willingly and can not be tortured out of you, so it's all really a moot point. But of course, that doesn't really matter to the Death Eaters, who don't mind torturing people for basically no reason. Plus, even in the main story, Bellatrix tortures the Longbottoms to the point of insanity, and that's after Voldemort had fallen. This time, however, Voldemort is still at large, so I think the outcome is largely the same, except for one pretty major change. I suspect, and for the sake of symmetry, since we're flip-flopping these stories, it is Bellatrix who is sent in to do the torturing. Which means, of course, that, well, there's absolutely no mercy to be had, but also that it is Bellatrix who Snape will appeal to ahead of time to try and spare Lily Evans' life, because, of course, Snape is still in love with her. Bellatrix, who is unreasonable, at the best of times, does take this under consideration, thinking to herself, well, it's probably good if Snape owes me a favor. And so, Bellatrix attacks the Potters, and while she might not intend to harm or kill Lily going in, there's just no way Lily doesn't fight back. Especially if James is there being tortured right in front of her, and she thinks Harry is about to be harmed. Like, she's gonna get in there, and once she does, Bellatrix isn't gonna hold back at all. But no matter how much pain Bellatrix inflicts, the Potters reveal nothing about the Longbottoms. First of all, because they can't, and two, because they never would because they're good people. And recognizing their complete uselessness, Bellatrix kills James, but at the very least spares Lily on Snape's behalf. But as ever with Bellatrix, this is perhaps a fate worse than death and even more cruel to Lily, whose mind is now addled very similar to the way that Neville's parents usually are in the main story. In the main story, I think it's also worth noting that the Death Eaters, even though they torture Neville's parents, do not harm Neville himself. And so I think baby Harry also remains pretty unscathed throughout the night, but that leaves him in a very curious position. Normally, when Voldemort attacks the Potters, the backfiring Avada Kedavra spell blows up the house and breaks the Fidelius charm. But this time, that doesn't happen. The charm is still in effect, and the only people that know about the location are the Death Eaters. So, unlike usual, it's not like Sirius can just show up and find the ruins of the house. Instead, it is Snape who comes to investigate the aftermath of the attack and the one who finds baby Harry and Lily and rescues them, bringing them to Dumbledore, pleading for help. Obviously, Dumbledore agrees, but as per usual, traps Snape in his employ as part of the bargain. Lily ends up in St. Mungo's and Harry ends up with his godfather, Sirius Black. Sirius, of course, doesn't end up in Azkaban this time, because even though he absolutely knows that Peter was the spy and hates him for it, there's really not a whole lot he can do about it. Because in the main story, it all kind of backfires in Peter's face. The very night he reveals himself as the spy, Voldemort also falls. But this time around, Voldemort just stays in power, and so can continue to protect Peter. Alright guys, and now we need to pause to give a huge shout out to today's sponsor, Factor. Guys, as we get closer to summer, we need those wholesome, convenient meals to enter energizes for those upcoming active warm weather days. And with Factor, you have that with ready to eat meals delivered straight to your door. If you're like me, between the months of May and August, between all the commitments I have, it can really feel like a blur. And if you're just feeling too overwhelmed or too busy to cook, then Factor is the answer. You can skip the trip to the grocery store, the prepping, the chopping, the cooking, the cleanup. The meals are literally ready in two minutes. So you can cook, Eat and immediately get back to enjoying that warm weather. And it doesn't matter if you're keto, vegan, calorie smart, or protein plus, whatever your dietary needs are, Factor has you covered. All lifestyles can be accommodated and all the meals are prepared by chefs and then approved by dietitians to make sure you are getting what you need. Plus it's way cheaper than takeout or restaurant delivery. That is such an easy way to spend way too much money. So get Factor and enjoy clean eating without any of the hassle at factormeals.com super50 and use promo code super50 to get get 50% off your first box. One more time, that is promo code super50 at factormeals.com super50 to get 50% off your first box. Link is in the description down below. But then what about Neville? He's the one this story is actually supposed to be about, right? Well, he, Frank, and Alice are, of course, protected by the Fidelius charm with Dumbledore as the secret keeper, meaning that Voldemort really can't find him at all. But that has some pretty interesting repercussions, doesn't it? Because usually, Voldemort falls in 1981 when he tries to attack the Potters. But if he doesn't know where Neville is, he doesn't have the chance to attack him and therefore doesn't have the chance to fall either. What Voldemort would know though, especially based on Wormtail's information, is that the Longbottoms are absolutely being concealed by the Fidelius charm and are therefore pretty much unfindable. He cannot get to Neville until such a point as Neville comes out into the open. And as we know from the main story, Voldemort is absolutely obsessed with killing the chosen one from the prophecy, as Dumbledore puts it to Harry. Have you any idea how much tyrants fear the people they oppress? All of them realize that one day amongst their many victims, there is sure to be one who rises against them and strikes back. Voldemort is no different. Always he was on the lookout for the one who could challenge him. He heard the prophecy and leapt into action, with the result that he not only handpicked the man most likely to finish him, he handed him uniquely deadly weapons. Voldemort is obsessed with the prophecy and horribly afraid of Neville. Voldemort knows, or at least believes, that his only path to victory is by killing Neville. And the only way he will ever get access to him is if Neville comes out into the open. And he realizes the only way in which Neville will ever reveal himself is if Voldemort can create the illusion of safety and lure Neville out of hiding when he goes to school at Hogwarts. And this lines up with the prophecy super well in terms of neither can live while the other survives. Neville can basically never leave his house as long as Voldemort is out there, and Voldemort can never really rise to power until Neville leaves his house. But beyond that, we also know that Voldemort has no issue at all with operating in extreme slow motion. If you will recall, his usual rise to power in the first Wizarding War, from when he graduates Hogwarts to when he attacks the Potters takes, what, 36 years. Years? I mean, what's another decade, right? Especially when you're gonna live forever, which, lest we forget, is Voldemort's goal. And so his plan is put into motion. And for the next decade, Voldemort allows a false calm to fall over the war. Sure, behind the scenes, maybe he's privately working on ways to tap deep stores of dark magic as a way to break through the Fidelius charm, but of course, he can't find any. But really, that's just a backup plan. The actual plan is to create the illusion of safety, the illusion that he, of Voldemort, has vanished. And so, with no warning whatsoever, all public Death Eater activity suddenly stops. Which creates a very unusual, dangerous, and even optimistic tension within the wizarding world. Normally, Voldemort's downfall is extremely well-known extremely quickly, with wizards celebrating all over the country by the following morning. Are the rumors true? But this time, things just stop with no explanation at all. Rumors, whispers, worries, and hope begins to spread. Is it safe to go back outside? Is Voldemort still out there somewhere? Did his sudden disappearance have something to do with the Potters? It seemed like he vanished on the same night James was killed. And whatever happened to the Longbottoms, the powerful Aurors, Frank and Alice? They haven't been seen for weeks and then years and then a decade. Didn't they have a young son as well? What became of the lost Longbottoms? Could they have had something to do with Voldemort's disappearance? And of course, the longer nothing happens, the more people begin to believe it's safe again. Sure, people are nervous at first, but year after year, nothing happens and things begin to return to normal. Sure, some people remain skeptical, but the longer it goes on, the less people are willing to even tolerate that because they just don't want it to be true. But of course, as we know, Voldemort isn't gone at all, he's just, biding his time, waiting for Neville to grow up and attend Hogwarts, where he can finally attack. (laughs) Which brings us to year number one, Neville Longbottom and the, say it with me, Chamber of Secrets. Oh yeah, buckle up, you guys. This one is going to be fun. Make sure you tune in next week to find out what happens. How will Voldemort plan his attack on Neville who's in the open for the very first time? Will Professor Quirrell still change sides? And what of the famous Harry Potter who has now been raised not by the Dursleys, but instead a very proud serious Black who misses his best friend who was killed by Voldemort on the same night he seems to have disappeared. I promise we have got a lot in store for this one. We were sitting around for like four hours yesterday, just talking about all the different plot lines we might have to cover. And I was like blowing my mind. It's gonna be so fun. But hey, in the meantime, speaking of going to Hogwarts, if you want some more wizarding fun, I would like to take a second to invite you to our brand new Super Carlin Brothers Virtual Race Miles Managed. I'm so excited about this. Miles Managed is a virtual community race that will take us, the entire Super Carlin Brothers audience, from King's Cross Station to a magical castle in Scotland. Here's how it's gonna work. I say it's a race, but really it's much more about completing rather than competing. All you have to do is download the Pacer app and join the Super Carlin Brothers group. You can do that by scanning this QR code on the screen right here, or there's a link in the description down below. And Pacer is just a pedometer or a step tracker. So how it's going to work is once the race starts on June 1st, anytime you walk around out here in the real world, it'll move your marker on our virtual race course, forward from King's Cross North to our magical castle. The actual. Distance between the start and finish is like 400 miles in real life, but we've been able to scale it down to just 120. So it's actually gonna look like you're really booking it across England. Plus, along the way, we have created 10 magically inspired checkpoints to help keep you motivated, maybe go that extra mile each day, reach the next checkpoint. And if you're wondering how we chose the destination point for the end of the race, well, a while ago, we made a theory guessing the exact location of the castle. So we use those coordinates to set our destination point. So it's like a very Super Carlin Brothers inspired racetrack. And of course, no race would be complete without a medal. And if you want to get a medal to put on yourself after you have finished the race, you can head over to carlinbrothersmercantile.com where not only do we have a participant's medal, we also have a cool moisture-wicking shirt and a water bottle. And if you buy any of them, $2 from every purchase goes towards the Trevor project. So it is just, I love everything about this project. Seriously, if you're looking for any excuse to just get moving this summer, this is a great way to do it and to just get involved in the SCB community. Again, there is a link in the description down below and uh, hope to see you out on the racetrack. And one more time, don't forget to tune in next week for the next part in what if Neville was the chosen one. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and that bell so you don't miss out on any of the notifications at all. And if you want to see some other what if action from us, you can check out this video right here to find out what if Crookshanks ate scabbers and uh, Peter didn't get to return to Voldemort. Anyway, until next time, Ben, I will see you in another life, brother.